read again Genesis 6, 8, which says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The human race in Noah's day faced what is referred to today as an existential threat in that the existence, the continued existence of the planet and the human race was at a tipping point. We're told that today. But this is nothing new. I remember as just a third or fourth or fifth grader being taught similar things uh, that created a lot of anxiety within. There was kind of fear of the coming population explosion. So I can still visualize riding that school bus from uh, Hughcrest School out to Quail Lane on the banks of the North Omaha River to my home and uh, being uh, worried as I looked on either side of, of uh, the road no houses, trees, pasture, cattle, sheep. I thought, wow, you're full of people. And then they told of the coming ice age. Would it reach down to Oregon? I mean, we're going to all freeze to death. So and one day I came home because we needed to conserve water. The teacher said we needed to put a brick in the, in the tank of the toilet. I told Dad we need to put a brick in the tank of the toilet. He was not happy. He says, why not just adjust the float? You know, Dad never finished high school. He was short on academics but long on common sense, something that is lacking today. Well, even today, our secular doomsday false prophets create a sense of panic and anxiety in our children. go home and worry about things that will never be realized. I am still longing for that ice age. But there is an existential threat that faces the world today. It has nothing to do with the planet. It has to do with what was dealt with in, moral, in Noah's day, and that is the moral corruption of the human race. If you want to create a sense of urgency in the hearts of your sons and daughters and in your family members, the sense of urgency is that the existential threat that is coming is the same that came in Noah's day, and that is a day of judgment. But just as God provided a way of escape for Noah, his family, and really anyone who wished to take advantage of it, called the ark, God has provided a means of escape or whosoever will today. It's called the rapture of the church. So rather than uh, send our boys and girls home with worry, let's send them home with hope. There's a better day coming, and you can be prepared for it. You don't have to worry about the current heat wave. Debbie and I looked at a photo today of our baby in 1977 in a cradle with a fan and uh, with the 
day 103 degrees. We had a week uh, or so, and maybe a couple of weeks of extraordinarily high temperatures in 1977. Our air conditioning was to take a pail of ice water and put our feet in it, or that same pail of ice water and put a fan behind it and sit in front of it. These things are cyclical. 1977 and others have lived through other other heat waves. Don't don't worry, the planet's not going to melt yet. Debbie and I were in the streets of Seattle here about 15 years ago, and an activist had a, a newspaper headline with a picture of this polar bear on an iceberg that, that looked hungry and stranded. Well, I know enough to know, having been acquainted with Newfoundlanders. Polar bears swim. And so I told the young lady, I said, you know, they can swim. They can swim 50 miles in a day. There's another iceberg probably a mile away. Don't worry about the polar bear unless it's in pursuit of you. Whatever happened to common sense? Whatever happened to looking to God's word? Whatever happened to concern about being right with God? Well, nothing happened to it. It still exists. It existed in Noah's day. There was quite a contrast uh, between the way he lived and the way others of his acquaintances lived in the world. We read that Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. You know, you can do that. You can walk with God. This isn't complicated. You can determine to serve God. You start, and then you continue. It's not hard. We have many a testimony of, of um, people my age and younger and older who made that uh, determination to walk with God one years ago. They just kept doing it day at a time, and they're still doing it. And that's unusual in, in this day and age in which we live. But uh, it was unusual in Noah's day, too. But he did it. And, and you can do it. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You can find it. And that same grace. You know what you do. Well, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. To me, that suggests he looked for it. You're used to looking for things that need to be found. Here not long ago, Debbie couldn't find her, her wallet. That's typically in her purse. Well, I can't find her wallet when it's in her purse. But anyway, she lost it. And uh, she tends to lose things. And she, she would tell you, I, I always reply the same way. It'll show up. It'll show up. And so she lost her wallet. And I said, it'll show up. Well, she looked. And I looked. And I looked when she didn't know I was looking. And I dare say she looked when I when uh, I didn't know she was looking. You get that? You get the idea? So I said, "Well, where were we?" So we called, and we remember uh, being at, at an ice cream shop. We, in a moment of weakness, we got an ice cream uh, cone, and uh, so we called them and said we we lost uh, our wallet, and that was the last place we were. And they said, well, they didn't have it. And we looked around, but they didn't have it. I kept track uh, online to make sure there were no unusual uh, charges because it'll show up. It always shows up. 
well, you know, it didn't show up. But finally, uh, after a day or two, uh, she was looking under the bed. And she remembered that she bought some things and tossed the things on the, on the bed. And, and sure enough, somehow she had kicked that wallet under the, under the bed. Uh, the, the moral of that story, well, there's two morals. Number one, I was right. She found it and showed up. <laughs> but number two, she looked for it. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord because he looked for it. It doesn't just drop upon you uh, like the sunshine from uh, heaven or the uh, whatever. You, you must look for it. You must be determined to find it. Well, well, how did he find it? By faith. We read in Hebrews. Well, if you have enough faith, you have enough faith to come here. So if you haven't found the grace that Noah uh, found... It's available to you, and, and the fact that you're here suggests that you're looking for it. Well, that, that's the way it works. He found grace in the, in the eyes of the Lord. Well, we thank God that that grace is still available today. We, we read in these days also where the Lord uh, said, My spirit should not only strive with man, well, that suggests that God's Spirit does strive with man. It does also suggest that uh, there, there's a limit uh, to that, which is why we always encourage uh, individuals who uh, sense that God is calling to respond at that time when God is calling. But trust me, whether you sense it or not, God is calling. God is calling you. If you're in an unsafe condition, the Lord is calling you. So you must uh, respond because uh, he said, my my spirit should not only strive with man. There are limits uh, to it and also to them the, for how long. Well, these meetings uh, are designed to uh, appeal or to provide an opportunity for individuals to respond to that call. We, we read in Hebrews that, uh, that the, the ark that Noah built condemned the world, by which he condemned the world, but that was not his goal. He did not build that. Uh, scratching his head, now how can I condemn the world? Which reminds us of, we know, we know John uh, 3, 16, but, but we don't often quote John 3, 17, for God said it's not, it's not in the world to condemn the world. People were condemned by Jesus, but that's not why he came. He didn't come to condemn the world, he came to save the world. He does not uh, send his spirit to strive with the human race in an attempt to condemn the world, though the world is condemned by uh, knowledge and by the light, just like uh, Jesus said, when we are hungry for God, hungry for God, uh, we, we come to the light. The light shines upon us. The condemnation, uh, when that light shines, is that we are found guilty in the sight of God. The Spirit of God exposes in our hearts and in our lives, even after we're saved and have turned from sin, the Spirit of God exposes areas in our life where we need to come up to the help of the Lord. We have an opportunity to e either uh, turn away from that uh, revelation or exposure, rather, and resist the Spirit of God, or to open up our lights and say, uh, open up our hearts and say, Lord, let that light shine into the recesses of my heart. And help me to know and to uh, understand how I can more effectively walk with you. That's how Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that's what uh, 
grace empowered him to do. That grace does not only impart uh, or, or impute God's favor. God imparts his favor. He gives us a power to walk a life that is pleasing to him, that is uh, perfect in this uh, generation. And when we speak of uh, a Christian perfection, we're not uh, speaking of the perfection that that God enjoys. God is God. We're, we're going to hardly measure up to God's omnipotence and omniscience, his power and his grace and his love. He's not even uh, speaking when we speak of Christian perfection of the pre-fall Adamic uh, perfection where uh, he was spotless. Though he had uh, the power and the capacity to choose to do wrong, his natural inclination was to do right until he exercised that free will to do wrong. So when we're talking about Christian perfection, we're, we're talking about uh, what Noah experienced. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord and was able to respond uh, when he fell short of, of God's perfection. He responded favorably to the Lord. That's all God wants. He, he, he doesn't want the teenagers to not grow up and act like teenagers. That's going to happen. He doesn't want children who get saved, but they're no longer somehow children and sprout angels' wings and uh, wear a halo from that point forward. That doesn't happen. We can see the evidence of that. I see no wings or halos today. But I see Christian perfection in that individual strive to walk with God. That's all the Lord wants. Uh, walk with Him and have a determination. I want to be found uh, at the rapture of the church uh, to measure up to the standard that you expect of me. Well, he said uh, there's, there's 120 years. What can happen in 120 years? But I don't know if Noah started building at that point when he was 480 years old. Or if he began to gather and accumulate material. But it looks like it was 120 years later that the flood came. So the Spirit of God was, was contending with souls for 120 years. Seems like a long time in our day. It seems like a long time in Noah's day. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, so he did not just build, he preached and taught. It had been revealed to him that there was a flood. I'm sure that uh, some wondered about his mental stability. But that's what faith does, is, is it causes you to act on promises where there is no evidence that that promise can be fulfilled. There had never been rain. But perhaps he didn't declare how this flood was going to come about. It didn't matter. He just knew it was going to come about because God said it would. In the last days, people who are willingly ignorant, Peter says, of that flood that occurred will be caught unawares at the, the rapture of the church. So just as they were willingly ignorant in Noah's day, so it is today for the, for the most part, and as they mock in these last days that we're concerned about things that will never be realized, well, they're wrong. Because God said it will be realized. 
There's a lot of things that are promoted by Doomsday Prophets that will never happen, but this is something that will happen according to the true prophets of God. Uh, the Lord will come, and judgment will follow. It will fall, it will fall heavy upon this planet. And that's the existential threat. The planet itself is reserved for fire. But we won't be here. We'll be in a better place. When I thought about this 120 years, you know, it was 120 years ago on the first day of 1901 when in Topeka, Kansas, a woman, young woman by the name of Agnes Oseman experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost 120 years ago. Well, it was five years later when some experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Los Angeles at 214 Bonnie Bray Street and soon moved uh, to 312 Azusa Street where more uh, experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's where uh, Florence Crawford attended for the first time when, according to her testimony, there were scarcely 20 people there. But she was there and she was had been told uh, that there was a people that preached the whole word of God and her reply to that woman who told her so was, take me to them. Well, it was explained to her they're on the wrong side of town. And so uh, in her testimony, she said she looked around to see uh, who saw her go in. But when she came out, she didn't care who saw her come out. Well, a few years later, this uh, Apostolic Faith uh, work was established as headquarters in Portland, Oregon. And now, uh, here we are, 120 years after Agnes Oseman, who you perhaps have never heard of. And we're still benefiting by the same message she heard when she experienced that the deeper experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, having understood that one must be first sanctified and subsequently first uh, saved, rather, and subsequently sanctified and then baptized with the Holy Ghost. And as that movement moved to Los Angeles, they had the same uh, Wesleyan teachings of first salvation and the second uh, subsequent experience of entire sanctification. Many went there. And many have heard that message over the last 120 years. I can't account for who has held to it, but I can declare to you that 120 years uh, after that 1901 experience, we're still preaching the same thing. It didn't originate there in Topeka, Kansas. It, it originated in the Word of God on the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and said, This is that which was promised by the prophet Joel. Well, the moral corruption that exists in the human race today is no different than what existed in Noah's day. And that's why Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the, of the Son of Man. Perhaps that's the most significant sign you will ever see, is just to look around the earth and see what is concerning the, the human race today. It's uh, uh, items or, or uh, uh, rather topics that are viewed as existential that are not. They're, they're Satan's diversion to occupy or preoccupy the human race with things that uh, certainly matter uh, to a certain degree, but when it comes in light of eternity, they simply don't matter if you are only facilitating a people a better life as they're on their pathway to a devil's hell. 
Repent. Turn to God. That's what Noah said. Eight souls saved. So uh, the outcome uh, from for those looking on wasn't too favorable. And for those looking on, uh, they, uh, they were not aware that they had missed their opportunity until the door had been shut and Noah was already on the ark. So people in the, in the last day will not be aware that uh, they, they, even though they've been told for decades, 12 decades in, in Noah's day, you've heard it your whole life. Just as they did not know until the floods came, you will not know until the rapture has occurred. But thank God there's hope. Thank God there's victory. Thank God you need not have anxiety. No, you can turn to the Lord. And then you can look forward to not only the thrill of the coming rapture, but just the contentment, the inner peace, the satisfaction, and the knowledge that you're walking with God until that time. It's a good way. We have no complaints. God is good. And this is, as we heard, the victory way. You're going to wear the victor's crown uh, some of these days. But between now and then, you're going to live a life of victory. If you haven't experienced this great salvation, here's your opportunity. We have an altar call. They're designed to encourage you to come to the place of prayer. We're trying to honor distancing to some degree. But I'll tell you what, if you're hungry for God, you come on down here, and the Lord will meet you. You'll meet him, and you'll leave this place rejoicing.